Hello everybody, Jordan Skinner here with another awesome episode of the Crushing It in Construction podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to the construction industry where I interview amazing guests from within the industry that share their experience, their wisdom and insights that will help you grow, whether you are looking to further your career or you are a business owner looking to better your business, no matter who you are or what it is you are trying to do, there is always something valuable to learn from our guests. Now, I apologize. We've had a hiatus for a few weeks. We just, it wasn't because I went away on holiday this time, I wish, but we just had a few scheduling conflicts with people that were set to come on the podcast, but they had tenders due and a few different things that popped up. And I just didn't have a bank of recorded podcasts ready to go like I did earlier in the year. But never fear, I think I have about six podcasts booked to be recorded this week, you know, right up to the lead up to Christmas, we should have episodes going out every week. But yeah, I apologize. I always like to stay as consistent as possible. Now, this week I'm chatting with Patrick O'Sullivan from Prestige Civil Group based out of Victoria. And Patrick has a really interesting story. He got kicked out of high school at 14 and the very next day was put to work on a paving crew. And from there, he worked for other people for a while and then eventually decided to go out on his own and build his very own company and do his own thing. And today he has a full-time staff of roughly 150, I think, people on the books and is growing year on year. It's a really cool story, one that I think a lot of people in the construction industry can really relate to. I think a lot of us, including myself, don't have a uni degree and sometimes can feel pretty intimidated, you know, being surrounded by engineers and all these kinds of people that are really well educated. So I think Patrick's a good example of what sheer grit and determination can really help you achieve. So I think this is really valuable information, a really valuable episode with a lot to learn. Let's get into the show. G'day, Patrick. Pleasure to have you on the show, mate. I'm looking forward to having a bit of a chinwag with you. Thanks, mate. So for Everybody that doesn't know you yet, I'm sure they'll have a better grasp of who you are and what it is you do by the end of this, but could you just tell us in your own words, you know, who you are and what it is that you do? My name's Pat or Patrick O'Sullivan. I'm the managing director of Prestige Civil Group. We're a full service based civil construction company. We specialize in asphalt resurfacing, asphalt maintenance, concrete maintenance, civil construction, bulk haulage. We've got our own truck and quads, we have our own premixed concrete plant, we have a traffic management division, we have a soil recycling department as well. Yeah, we basically cover all the bases in the um, civil construction industry. Yeah, so how big is the company? We've got a head count now of, I, I lose track sometimes, but it's around about 120, yeah. 120 employees. So Plus we run a, a number of subcontractors like full-time, we try and keep, keep those guys busy because it's hard to hard to keep the staff on the ground growing it's just hard to find people at the moment yeah yeah so how did you actually come into the construction industry what's your story there is it uh, did you always know you wanted to end up in construction or oh look it was kind of in me blood me my father was in the asphalt game you know it was always you know the father-son type of story i was going to take over dad's business when i was old enough but that didn't go to plan dad had some things go happen in his life where the business was no longer around, so I went and worked for someone else. But I started working for my father when I was about 14. I, I was kicked out of school at the age of 14. So, yeah, I remember the day they kicked me out. I was walking home and Dad said, I remember Dad standing on the back of the doorstep and he's like, well, they finally kicked you out, son. 
looks like you're going to work tomorrow and he made me go to work the next day. Yeah. So what did you do to get kicked out? Oh, look, I probably, it was probably a range of things, you know. <laughs> I used to, I didn't mind a bit of a dust up, you know, I didn't mind a fight back in the day and not so much like a bully, but I was sticking up for a mate of mine, I remember, sticking up for a mate called Michael and he was getting picked on and I, I ended up fronting the guy that did it to him and, yeah, I, I, I guess they just seen that opportunity to probably... Give me the flick. You know, I was never that into school. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a bad kid at school or anything. I just wasn't interested in school. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. I, was, I couldn't learn that way. Yeah. So where do you think that comes from? Because I think it sounds like I was pretty similar. You know, I, I wasn't good at school. I didn't sort of see how what they were teaching was going to apply to what I wanted to do at the end of the day. You know, when I left school, I struggled to read and write. Like I'm dyslexic and struggle with numbers. And you can sometimes get put into a you know, just sit in the corner and shut up. You know, that's kind of what the teachers did when I was there. Like, how, how was that for you? Did You know, I remember I had a couple of great teachers who I felt like put time into me, but, you know, knowing that I probably was struggling at school. Mm. You know, my dad, my dad was probably the same. He left school really early. Yeah, I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't concentrate. You know, I just, I don't know what it was, but I always felt probably like you said, I always probably felt I was a bit stupid and, dumb old I guess I couldn't really read or or write well and yeah I really struggled with it so I guess like the things I just didn't concentrate you know once mm. I probably knew it was too hard and I didn't enjoy it like yeah like you said I it wasn't the way I learned I learned by doing things and on my hands-on type of person I've got to I've got to kind of make the mistake to learn from it yeah that was that was how school eventuated yeah so did you always have like a bit of a entrepreneurial kind of spark or, you know, you said your father had his own business? Like, yeah, I, I don't think when I was younger, I don't think I really had that entrepreneurial spark. Sport was everything to me. I love sport. Like I wanted to be a professional sportsman. It probably didn't matter what sport it was, but dad, your dad had an entrepreneurial spark, I could say. Um, my dad was a bit of a colorful character, <laughs> but I think, you know, I didn't grow up probably the way like a lot of kids did, you know. I think I had a great upbringing from mum and dad, you know, great people, but dad was a bit wild and, you know, I was around probably things and I, I learned different things to most kids and I think that's what probably my life experiences, whether or not they were good or bad, is probably what made me the person I am today. That's what probably gave me that entrepreneurial edge, I guess. Yeah. So, so when did you actually start thinking, right, you know, I, I want to start a business, like th this was something that you wanted to do? It just, it come about, it was strange. You know, I was working when, when I could no longer work for dad, I went and worked for another company and um, I was going through a stage in my life back then where I was just going through some things, you know, like, and I'd put on a bit of weight and everything and I had to just get my health right and, and my mind right and I started going down the boxing gym just to lose weight you know dad was always around the boxing gyms when I was younger and and it kind of turned into a passion where I I loved it I just I loved feeling fit I loved going to the gym I loved being there with my mates I think it's a real good thing for kids that are always if they're ever in trouble or something like and I was always on the asphalt cruise back then and it was hard to make it to the gym on time. We're always late, as asphalt's always late, it's always big days. So I asked if I could go on the civil cruise and help build the car parks and stuff like that. 
and I was doing that. Still not making it to the gym on time. So I had a bit of an argument with the owner at the time and, you know, he kind of said, if you don't like the hours, then, you know, piss off. And I said, oh, well, fuck you, mate. I'm, I'm going to then. I'm going to start my own thing. And I was living with my nan and pop at the time and I jumped in my little Holden Barina I had at the time and <laughs> I drove to the um, registry and that's how I registered the company. I registered, pre I rang me pop on the way to the registry, I remember. And asked him how to spell prestige. <laughs> and we pop got the dictionary out just to double check. Yeah. He's like, yeah, mate. And I went there and that's where I registered the business. That's actually how it all happened. So did you ever feel like the fact that you got kicked out of school, you know, because you, you obviously, you, you're going to start your own business and you had this determination. Did you ever feel like I didn't go to school long enough to, to do this? Did you ever have that self-doubt in what you were doing? As I got older, I did. As the business grew, it was funny. It was probably when I got around more of that corporate business type of life. You know, you doubt yourself. Am I smart enough? You know, yeah. you know, I didn't go to school. Like I go into room like now with a lot of people who are super educated and, you know, you, you question your education. You're like, well, maybe these people are smarter than me. But to be honest, I just never gave a shit <laughs> what they thought, you yeah. know. But do you think that that kind of fueled your ambition as well to maybe prove a few people wrong? Yeah, I think maybe it did. But I, I fell in love with the entrepreneurial stuff. I fell in love with it. I got obsessed with it for a bit there. Like as the business was growing, like it's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to build a business and I wanted to build a good business. You know, I never wanted to, I wanted to look after my people. And as you grow, it gets harder and harder to keep everybody happy, obviously, but I feel like I always have the best intentions, whether or not that comes across to people, I don't know. But yeah, I guess I just fell in love with growing the business, you know. Yeah. So when you and I were chatting a couple of weeks ago, we were chatting about, you know, one of the, the, the biggest challenges that you had in the early stages, I suppose, was trying to set the right culture. You, you, you mentioned to me that you, yeah. you started out with a few blokes from the footy club and, you know, tell us about that sort of struggle. Yeah, look, it just, like a lot of people's businesses, I never really had a plan. Like there wasn't, I just woke up and I just went to work. I remember when I got my first truck, I just bought a truck. You know, I needed a truck. I knew I needed a truck. It wasn't like I'm going to buy one truck and then this truck. And I had this grand plan to, to create where we are today. I just, I seen an opportunity and I would take it. And it was hard back in the day because we were just like a boys club, you know, a couple of mates from the footy club, laying a bit of asphalt, laying a few bricks, you know, we'd all, have a beer after work, go to the pub. No real culture bar, being like a footy club kind of culture, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And as I grew, you know, I got, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 people. I could see that ha having that real boys mentality, cowboy kind of operation, I think it was. I didn't like it. I wanted a better business, a more respectable. I wanted to be respected by the businesses I respected, I guess that I looked up to. So how, how did you go about changing that culture? What did you do? Well, it was hard. It was really hard. To, it's still hard to change now. We're still trying to um, get the culture right. It's, I think it's an always a growing thing. You're always going to be trying to do better. But I guess I just toned it down a bit. You know, I used to have a real bad temper on me, you know, and monkey see, monkey do. You know, if the guys see you yelling and screaming and cracking it on site, it sets a bad example for your, your foremans and your, your leading hands. You know, they think it's okay to yell at their guys and it's not, you know. I, 
put a lot of time and effort into like my own self-development, I guess. And I used to go listen to a lot of seminars and people I respected. I was listening to podcasts like every day. Anything that could kind of teach me a little bit more about being a better leader. And over time, I think I just got better at it. And we slowly broke that mentality. But just, yeah, I think that's one thing I would have changed earlier was setting that culture right. Yeah. So did you get any help in this area? Did you get mentors or? Kind of. I got myself in a tax pickle, you know. I think as a lot of kids starting out do. I was a bit focused on the wrong things in the business and I had bad advice from an accountant. So I got myself a business coach who was a, I look back, a very average business coach. But it was what I needed at the time. That's when I really turned the business around, you know. I, was, I think I might have been turning over about three million bucks back then and I thought that was huge. But after that, we really started taking off once I got the motivation to really make something out of the business. And yeah, that's where it kick-started everything, I think. So what are the some of the different stages that you went through so in the beginning it was you and a few blokes and then you got a few bit of few bits of gear what are the different stages that the company's actually been through to get to where you are now oh god <laughs> well i'll tell you it's forever changing like if you're growing rapidly like it's it just changes it changes every year because i probably never had that proper plan it was always just focused on growth and opportunities like I never used to really even bat an eyelid. Like if I seen an opportunity, I was taking it. I wouldn't think about the repercussions. I'm like, I'll just take it. And sometimes that was bad, you know, and then I'd be like, shit, what have I done here? And then I'd have to figure it out. But that's how I learned. That was the best way for me to learn things. Because a lot, a lot of people are really risk averse. Where, where do you think you've got that willingness to take on that risk? Like, because it sounds like you kind of, if, if something looks okay, you'll just do it and figure it out. Whereas a lot of people will try and plan things out to the nth degree which can sometimes be my fault you know like yeah and i see that in the business now you know we've got certain people in the company now that are a lot more systemized and structured and you type of engineer type of guys where i guess i'm that bullet gate entrepreneurial type of business owner where the risk doesn't really scare me mm -hmm. i guess it probably scares me maybe not trying to do it i hate always looking back i wish i had done that like so when you decided that you wanted to change the culture of the business, you were sort of getting to the point of, you know, you wanted to make it more structured and a bit more professional. Were there any setbacks? I mean, you know, tall poppy syndrome is a big thing in, in Australia. Like were the people that you were working with kind of, you know, was it met with any resistance? You know, like always, you know, struggling. Yeah, to... not everyone. Not everyone's got the tall poppy syndrome, I don't think. But it is out there and it is strong. It's shit to say, but people... Love to see someone having a crack or doing all right fail. And I've had people try to sabotage things or make up rumours. But like I said before, I just, I don't really care. You know, Everyone gets the same amount of time in a day. You do what you want to do with your time and I'll do what I want to do with my time. Like, you know, I made the decision to start a business when I was 21 and that was a decision I made. You know, other people have the opportunity to do that too and I've done... I would say 95% of this by myself like, and just taking a massive amount of risk. I've had some good people along the way within the business help, but at the end of the day, yeah, it was a hard change to, I guess, it's a kind of, do you want to be one of the leading companies or do you want to just hang out in the, in the area you're hanging out in? Like, and I wanted to break that chain and, you know, I guess, you know, you stop the beers after work. 
where a lot of the guys love that, you know, and we're like, we're not drinking at the yard anymore. So there's no alcohol in the yard, you know. A couple of people, yeah. oh, that, you know, that's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, well, sorry, you know. And, you know, we'd go like, we're going to long sleeves, long pants, no singlets and shorts anymore. And I'll tell you, the singlets and shorts was like a deal breaker for some guys. I was like, <laughs> if I can't wear singlets and shorts at work, I ain't working for you. Yeah. And okay. I'm like, well, look. I didn't want to sound rude or anything, but I'm like, we're going in this direction because I want to build a better company who has better systems and processes for their employees, you know, and we're still trying to do that now. But the idea was to always set up a company like your John Hollands and, you know, those type of companies where, you know, people want to work there because they're, they're looked after and they've got all the stuff that the employee wants, you know, and it takes a long time to build that, but, you know, that. That was my vision. I, I want to be an employee, an employer of choice. Like, I want people to want to work with us because they know they're going to get looked after and they know they're going to get all the right entitlements and, and, and stuff and we're not going to stuff them around. So, yeah, it was a big a big change to, to get there and we're still trying to do it better each day, yep. you know. It's not something you can do over six months, a year, two years, three years. You know, it takes a long time. Mm. So was there any specific things that you put in place to try and start making that change? Was it like hiring somebody in HR? Was it like, what was it that you specifically did? Like recently, just recently, we've had more changes in the business now than we've ever had. I've had the same people within the business for the past seven, eight, nine years. And we had some of the wrong people in the business, I'll be honest. We've moved those people on and we've hired differently I was actually listening to one of your podcasts the other day and I can't remember who it was talking, but someone said, well, if you keep hiring the same people, don't expect different results. Yeah. And it's so true. Like we've had two people lately come into our business, one who was in HR and she's just amazing. What she brings to the, to the table is just crazy and that's coming from hiring right, I believe. So when you say hiring right, what, what was it that you changed? Well, we used to just be old school kind of guys, you know, like, oh, yeah, mate, you've got a truck license. Yep, you've got a, yep, you, you, you've got a, a license. We'll take you. Yep. You know, but we don't highlight that anymore. Like, if you don't fit our core values, we don't want you to be, to be honest, as nasty as that might sound. Like, if you don't fit the culture, we just don't tolerate it anymore. Where we used to tolerate it. So the culture meant nothing. Because they're like, oh, well, this guy does that. And even, even if senior managers were doing it, it's like, oh, well, they're allowed to do it. But, you know, the guys on the ground or the girls on the ground can't. So, yeah, yeah we're really sticking to our guns there. We won't tolerate people that just don't fit our core values. So have you found that tough to kind of stick to that in the current yeah. kind of market that we're yeah. in where it's hard to find people? Super tough, yeah. It's the toughest. But if you really want your culture to mean something, you got to stick to your guns. And if people don't fit it, well, we just ain't tolerating it. Yeah. So looking back, if and I know you said you don't really look back much. You sort of always focus forward. But if you could have your time again and you were growing the company to where it is today, what would you do differently if you could do anything differently and have your time again? I would have changed the culture early. That's one thing. I just wouldn't have set that boys club type of thing we had, you know, which is very hard to break. I would have hired differently, hired on those core values. Would have had a, probably a better better plan, I guess. Not that, you know, the, however we got here, it, you know, it got us here. But, you know, now I think going forward, obviously we have a better plan. Yeah, and having the right people in the right seats. Like 
sometimes you can have a, a great person in the business and they mean the best and they want to do the best, but sometimes they're just not the right person for that role. It, it could be a case of right person, wrong role, or right role, wrong person. Yeah. And I'd be so much quicker to react on that now where I made some mistakes of having the, I think it was the wrong person and the wrong role, but that was my fault. And I'm paying the price for that, you know. It's, it's you know, trying to change that now. If someone needs to go, they've got to go. Yeah. It's that thing, isn't it? You know, one bad apple kind of ruins the bunch, isn't it? And if you let it start and you let it, you know, it sets a precedent if you let it go too long, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. And I think you and your core values look like you're full of shit. Yeah. Because you're saying one thing and doing another. And I don't see how you'll get any traction by doing that. It's the fastest way to start losing respect, in my opinion. If it, And it works in just in one-on-one -on -one interactions, doesn't it? So if somebody says to you one thing and they do another, generally leaves a bad taste in somebody's mouth. And, you know, it's kind of the point that you're getting across there. Yeah, 100%. I fully agree. Yeah. Well, this has been, this has been fun. Tell us, what's, what's the plan for the future for Prestige Civil? just to keep growing, to get better at what we do, diversify the company, look for more opportunities. There's things at the moment I'm interested in, in trying to get off the ground. Um, setting the company up for success, having the right people in, which mm. you know we're doing now. We just recently put a new CFO on. Will we put in our CEO on as well? Yeah, we're really changing the structure to set the company up with the right people who are the drivers of pushing the core values and that. I'm not a very systemized, structured person. That's one of my weaknesses. I'm not structured. I'm kind of just off the, off the cuff, just see an opportunity and do it. So getting those people in the business that can really drive and implement our vision for success. So, so what does your future role look like then? We're going through a system at the moment called EOS, which is the Entrepreneurial okay. Operating System. And it's funny how it explains the company. It explains the company and how the structure works. You know, there's a visionary and there's an integrator. And I'm a visionary. I enjoy building businesses. I love, I can walk into a diner and see people sitting at the diner. And the first thing I'm doing is calculating what their coffee is and how much that diner's probably rent is and I can't help it, but that's just my mind. That's just how it works. Everything I do, I look at a business and I wonder either how they got there or how you can do it better. So I think I'll be more focused on opportunities for the business, obviously making sure the culture and everything's staying the same, but I will be letting the right people run the business. The reason I ask that question is, you know, I've spoken to other people in similar situations where they've gone from the managing director to more of a you know a director's role and once they've got those right people in the right seats as you said that kind of management structure they go through this kind of period of depression because they're not needed anymore you know what i mean they've kind of yeah and it's hard i don't it's not essentially like i, I just want to go sit on my ass and do nothing I, I love being out with the crews i love i could go hang off the back of the asphalt paper i enjoy it it's, it's fun for me like i, I do yeah. like it but I think I need to let people who are better than me at my weaknesses do those jobs. This has been awesome. I really enjoyed having this chin wag. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you think the audience might really benefit from? Just don't doubt yourself, you know. If you don't think you're the smartest person in the world or, you know, you didn't have the education like other people, you know, it's a bit of hard work and you can do anything, I think. 
There was a, an audio book I was listening to by Ray Delalio called Principles. And one of the things that I reflect on in that book that he said at the start of the book was, I know what I don't need to know. And it's stupid as it sounds, I feel like that's one of the ways I am. I feel like I know what I don't need to know and I'm self-aware with what I'm not good at. So just hire someone that is better than you at that. I think that those are, that's really true. I think we're all kind of fed, especially in school at the, at the minute, that the only way to be successful is by going to uni and, and getting yeah. a degree, which I don't agree with. You know, like I said, again, I really struggled in school. I'm not the brightest spark in the light bulb box or whatever it is. The irony of it is, is I actually married a teacher. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think there's two types of smarts. You know, I, I know some very, very well educated people that don't have common sense to rub together. So I think, you know, just because you're not good at book smarts doesn't mean you're not bright. It's just you've got to find what you, you know, you've got to find your lane kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. We've just got to find how you learn. And then once you can figure that out, I think the world's your oyster. Like, but I suppose the key points of what you said and the thing that sort of sticks with me is you've got to be willing to work for it, though. Yeah. And you don't need to know everything. Like, you know, you don't need to know everything about everything. Mm. As you grow, you're going to hire people. And that was one of the things that probably worried me. I'm like, I have to have my hands in everything. And I had my hands in everything. I was doing a little bit of this, a little bit of HR, a little bit of counting, little, and I was making a mess of it all. I'm like, I've got to get people that are better than me at that yeah. and let them yeah. do that. Yeah. I always like to end these episodes in a bit of a sort of weird and personal note, but is there anything, you know, what is a weird or interesting fact about yourself that most people don't know? Oh, I don't know if it's a fact, but, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. You know? Everyone's always got a story. So it's not a, it's not a fact about me, but I, that's just something that... Words of wisdom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, this has been good fun. I've, I've enjoyed this. Where can people reach out to you, connect online, learn more about you or Prestige Civil if they want to get in touch? Oh, look, our social media is probably a big thing these days. I'm not really big on LinkedIn and that. I'm on there, but I'm not big on it. But our website, we have all our details on there, which is just www.prestigecivilgroup.com.au. has all our stuff on there for our exposed aggregate mixes, for our concrete plant all the services we provide, a bit of information about the company. But also, my phone's always on, my email's on there as well. So if anyone ever wants to reach out, yeah, I'm always available. Awesome, mate. Well, thanks very much for your time. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Crushing It in Construction podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favourite podcast player, and it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave us a five-star review. If you'd like to learn more about employer branding and recruitment marketing strategy, feel free to visit our website at moonshotmedia.com.au or reach out to me directly at jaskinner at moonshotmedia.com.au. Thanks again for listening, and I'll speak to you in the next episode of Crushing It in Construction.